From grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tuns. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. I'm Justin. Justin's here. And this is the best beer show on the internet. And you're not gonna still still not gonna say Sorry. anything. All right, cool. Uh, the American Homebrewers Association does a lot to support uh, home brewing and home brewers, and now they support us during the AHA. We'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the furrow link at the bottom of our homepage and join today. Also, I'm gonna give a shout out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons: Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornson, Tyler Romanski, and Hop and Barrel Brewing. Woo! Oh, geez. Fresh, fresh. $20 a month patron we all bought our way on this show <laughs> <laughs> alright they did and now I have friends <laughs> that's all it takes alrighty uh, yeah so if you'd like to become a patron head on over to patreon.com slash blind studios and become a patron today alright Brian what have you been up to beer related lately oh my gosh I think I said the thing the last time that I was thinking I was going to say about making a (laughs) variety pack. (laughs) Yeah, no, literally, other than just drink lots of beer lately. I mean, you want to talk about your new podcast? Oh, I could. (laughs) That's meta. Oh, my. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, Yeah, uh, we got a new new little uh, Hop and Barrel podcast coming out. Going to do bi-monthly, I believe, a couple of them a month just to kind of keep people in the know with what's happening at happening at Hop and Barrel Brewing Company in beautiful downtown Hudson, Wisconsin. Ooh, so yeah, if you need more of Brian's beautiful voice, head on over and check that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> more of the same. More of that BBV. Yeah. Wow, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Things got weird. Oh, it's just starting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Justin, what have you been up to since the last time you've been on the show, man? It's been a minute. Yes. I think uh, water yeah, was our last conversation. Wa- yeah, it's been oh, a man. While. Yeah, we bring yeah. him on for the hard topics because we're going to talk about wood today. Yeah. <laughs> well, give me some wood, too. BBV and wood. This is wood. off to a good start. Um, you know, uh, brewing, kind of working some new recipes. Hinted at that before. The podcast. Um, been on the road a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah, doing a lot you, more. You and I, too, more. But that, that yep. that's just sort of the natural progression of how... Yeah, you and I and the brewery are going working with uh, distributors so. and accounts and mm-hmm. travel to some of our. You markets. maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't be surprised at that personal touch of just us showing up and being like, "Hey, how's it going?" Mm-hmm. Really helps us out. So, yeah, no, oh, awesome. Uh, let's see, what have I been up to? Not, oh, man, just kind of drinking. Uh, we cracked some bottles yet. So yesterday. Uh, Lord was Nacho Rings. Day, uh, which is my annual holiday where I watch all of the extended editions of Lord of the Rings and eat nachos. Um, and we cracked a few bottles. We had some uh, Central Waters 21. We had um, some Cascade uh, Barrel or Cascade Brewing stuff. Um Oh man, and then there was a fog of some other things too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, KB uh, twenty sixteen KBS a tw- oh, wow um, a twenty sixteen uh, tr- commander from Liftridge. Okay. Jesus, sixteen! Yeah. Wow. So what? Which, which, I, I wonder. Beer goes the best with nachos. Ah, uh, what? <laughs> which which <laughs> wooded beer? What kind of which pe- which wooded beer? Um, I mean, all I, of I all of them, kind of like because those come out after the not after you've you have that 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 post nacho belly where you're just kind of like, well, I guess I could have whiskey and big beers now. 
So Jeez, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. That's, <laughs> Justin and I had a pretty epic day in Duluth the other day, and I think the only thing that saved our lives was the the constant munching of of apps. Yeah, we gave up on the diets that day too. Oh my uh, god! Not regret the choices that were yeah. made. <laughs> yes. Justin and I are constantly trying to beat our bodies. At growing larger, <laughs> oh, it's it's a, it's a hard it's a hard struggle, man. Being on the road's tough though, because your options are you know pretty limited. Yeah, you kind of there's a lot of beer drinking involved, and then you have to sort of try to figure out something healthy to eat. But mm-hmm. yeah, cheesy covered nachos are yeah. Oh man, Sir Sir Ben's in in oh, uh, Duluth has. All of the things that we like. I talk about that place way too much, and I'm still shocked by how many people don't actually know about I, it. I'm blown. I'm blown away. Like, it, it is the. It, it's like a it's, like it's like a. When you go in there during the winter, it just it feels like you're going into like a hunter, a, 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 like a, a hunter's lodge of of some kind, or like and, an old English pub. Or, or, or yeah, I mean this that, was all before COVID. Oh, so before keep that in mind, yeah, but yeah. Too, but, yeah, it's just I don't know. It's warm. Like you, you roll in, your glasses fog up. You take off your your furs. Yeah, there's literally like a roaring fire, <laughs> and then it could be half of Trampled by Turtles or Charlie Parr or yep. some local musician you don't know of, but is probably the best at whatever he or she's doing mm-hmm. you've ever heard. And then what? Just thirty taps, food and, the best and food drink. And what? Crazy. I need to go to this. Oh, and yeah. of course you can see the lake. So they you know. make what is it? Porchetta. Mm. Oh, porchetta is so good. And there is like a porchetta sandwich thing that just, I I was like, what? What? Damn you, COVID! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because they are most certainly closed right now. Like everything else in Minnesota. That's insane since we're so close, but whatever. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) All right. Um, I guess, yeah. I guess we're we're drinking some Big Mix. We could talk about that for a second. We don't really have a beer to taste, but you guys want to talk about Big oh, Mix? Oh or? yeah, Big yeah, Mix. Man. So this is our uh, our seasonal coffee stout. Came out a couple weeks ago. You can kind of find it around here, but it's um, it it's kind of cool. We take a little different approach with our coffee stout than some. We go for a very approachable, easy drinking beer instead of something a little bigger and more abrasive. Starts mm-hmm. with a sweet sweet milk stout. Actually, a sweet, yeah, sweet, sweet milk stout. A side note <laughs> on that, I. I don't know if if the brewers have changed anything or much about this recipe. So I want to say that this is probably the oldest working recipe in the brewery. Oh, wow. Um, I have been brewing this same coffee milk stout for six or seven years professionally like this was this is American velvet like from American Sky. I, it's a it's a different it's the malts come from a different different suppliers, but it's like the same. Yeah, I think I think the oldest type, the oldest and biggest fight we had was uh, we changed the coffee over from Dunn Brothers to uh, uh, we get it from River Falls now. In, yeah, at the Wheat Market Co-op. Yep. Oh, my wow. my concern is always just that it doesn't taste like Folgers and that it is in fact a cold press and that it's fairly subtle. But yeah, we make the cold press in house, and Ethan sources the coffee since that's kind of his forte. You guys he use used the to same. roast the coffee yeah, himself. Yep. Too. Oh wow! Yeah. You guys uh, use the same coffee in this as you do in Pollen Babes. Yep. Okay. Yes. No. Maybe. Maybe. Whoa. Whoa. I don't know. That's it's, an It's definitely question. from Wee Market, but I had a weird. I, you know what? I can't. We'll say yes. I had a probably weird feeling, but let's probably. just say probably. It's All a different right. ratio. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is way more coffee forward. Oh yeah, that's the point. Yep. 
All right. Well, should we dive into our discussion topic today, guys? Yes. Uh, we're going to be talking about barrels and barrel aging and all forms of wood uh, used in your beers. Uh, we had, uh, you know, I want to say Gordon uh, brought this up asking because I think the last time we talked about wood was uh, with Eric Wood, actually, like four or five years ago. So it's it's been re uh, it's been time to actually talk about barrels again, and Justin has quite a bit of experience, especially at the homebrew yeah. level with yep. uh, with barrels. Um, so I guess the first thing, like when you're thinking about a barrel, is you have to find one. Any tips on that? Yeah, um, there's any type of local small scale um, distiller usually is going to have some five ten maybe 20 gallon barrels around not not the big bourbon ones that uh, breweries are using those would be useless and obviously not not very practical because you got to fill it up otherwise it doesn't work it's all about mm-hmm. you know there's oxygen but you want to control as much much oxygen flow as possible and when you're dealing with these smaller barrels you have to keep in mind you actually have more surface area contacting your beer than you would in a bigger beer because the volume's so different so you know anyway to answer where to find them um contact your local small distillers there's a homebrew shop i actually got all mine from in madison um they advertised online a little bit i i should have looked up the name before we went on but, <laughs> but uh it kind of sounds like that restaurant divine and barley hop and bine hop and barley something along those lines but it's out of madison with those words thrown at it uh the wine and hop shop the wine and hop shop there we go so there's a hop none of the barley or the vine but you know <laughs> Good job, you found it. So you know, <laughs> uh, they they used to at least this was seven years ago or so, um, and I think I'm pretty sure they still do do a great job at sourcing. You can get down to whether you want tequila, bourbon, brandy, and they oh, wow. bring in once. They kind of act like a broker for these small scale barrels. Interesting. That's uh, very cool. Now, yeah. now these spirit barrels, are we? I mean, can we make sours in them, or do we want to avoid that? Do we do we want to just stick with clean beer? You sure can. So, barrels. Or? Yeah, I, I had quite a little program going. I had three different ten gallon barrels, and I actually still have them. Um, did straight clean big stouts in each one the first time, and then I went right to sours. So this is kind of how I developed my sour program, and learned a lot kind of through trial and error. So I had one that was specifically with an amber, one with a light, um, and then one with a dark sour going in each of them. Um, tried different inoculations, different ratios, but they were wonderful for working with sours. Each one turned out quite well, whatever I threw at it. Yes, and I tasted all three of the last three that you made. Yeah, particularly fond of the the, uh, the blonde. The blonde was really, really complex. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. So maybe uh, someday down the road we'll, we'll get that one going again. But uh, yeah, no, I, I actually think the smaller ones are a little more forgiving um, than a bigger program. It's, you know, you're, you're less invested. It's easier to kind of try a couple of these barrels and try different things with different ratios. But like I said, you also have a little more oxygen flow through these, and it's easier to control that. Um, I, I kind of went a waxing method. It would melt paraffin wax. So the barrels look horrible. I mean, they, 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 <laughs> they look like someone, you know, won't even describe what they kind of look like, but they just look like <laughs> wax-covered barrels. Bunch of ectoplasm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, let's go with that substance. Uh, but it's it's a method that doesn't work on a larger scale. There's, there's just, but uh, on these small ones, it works extremely well. So, uh, your your uh, why are you putting the wax on the barrels? To cut off the oxygen. From okay, so you're just melting it and basically like between the staves. Yep. Okay. Yep. 
Exactly. The end cap's a little bit mostly to kind of control the staves. Yeah, on a bigger level, you'll definitely see some, uh, what do you even call it? I don't maybe, is it just like, just, it, it, it's the consistency of sap, basically. It's like beer and spirit mix sort of pushing, pushing out, out. And you, it, you could like scrape it off and roll it into a sticky ball of resin, basically. Yeah, and it, it is. It's, it's, I think you have to start thinking of the barrels more as a, Maybe living, but frankly, a living thing. It's it's not like a glass or a metal carboy or a fermenter. Mm-hmm. This is a at one time an organic substance. It still breathes. It still is much more pervious to oxygen, moisture. Um, they they actually you can look at them and watch them breathe in and out. Oxygen comes in when the temperature shifts. It goes out when the temperature shifts back. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can purge the top with a little CO two. Yep, certainly should. Getting right. out on the homebrew levels a lot trickier, so it's definitely worth investing in yeah, the right tools. Right, yeah. Um, or do what I did, uh, which was to drill two holes into a rubber bung. That's what I did too. <laughs> uh, which drilling is is hard enough, but getting the metal tubes through those holes uh, you drill you, you drill is surprisingly hard. And then realizing that you need to use probably less than. Five. I would never uh, psi yeah. to push the beer. So safety time takes a long yep. time. Take the time, but anything more than this five was on PSI. a professional level too at American Sky. Oh geez, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, hey, I need blank and blank. There's no money for that. Okay, well, uh, I'll just use a drill press, and you know, it's some serious DIY shit in a professional setting, which is fine. It happens all the time, and like I've always maintained on this show, uh, I, geez, I got into home brewing. Um, partially because you got to make stuff, you know, and I yep. don't mind making stuff, but in any case, so we, uh, what do we, what do we need to do to prep used barrels for aging beer? Um, that's, you know, there's differing topics on that. I say less is more to be fair. Okay. Um, pick out a good barrel, make sure it's sturdy. Freshly emptied. Can freshly they, emptied. Can they sit is, around? That's really the biggest thing. The freshest, okay. freshest emptied, the better. A couple days is what you want to shoot for. When we get those barrels into the brewery. Uh, the large ones, there's still sometimes up to in excess of a gallon of spirits yeah. still in there. And I, I think this is where, as as readily available as smaller ones may be in a homebrew level, getting them freshly emptied is probably going to be a harder challenge than finding them. Um, but that's what you want to go for. On the plus side, you're probably going to have a little better conditions. The The bigger barrels tend to be kept outside in, in areas that are a little more open to the environment, where at least the smaller barrels are usually kept inside of a building. They're much better condition as a whole. So um, I know there is a, uh, there's a, there's a local brewery that um, put their first beer in a barrel, and the barrel leaked. Yeah, pretty um, is there is there any way to salvage that, prep that barrel, um, rehydrate those staves? Yes. Yes. Easily uh, can make it watertight again by filling it with hot water. Okay. I mean, if you if you've got the beer in there and you're like, well, we're committed and it's not leaking like a sieve and you you don't have to start over, the waxing thing can work depending can, on the nature of how big it is. Think um, about the pressure that's being exerted. Yeah. Getting that wax in there that the moisture isn't going to erode it out. Mm-hmm. If it's too much, it just won't work. So that's that's kind of more little leaks and stuff you notice after a week or two or after a, a temperature yeah. shift in seasons. Um, you know, if you if you know what you're doing and you know a little bit about barrels, you can put in splints. You can put in little pieces of wood to kind of plug those up. There's yeah, and you, you see that actually on some of the barrels, like at the at the distillery, you you can once in a while there's like a, a like a yep 
the oh, wedge um, wedge that's been driven in to you the, know the the wood book from you know available at the homebrewers association Oh, man, uh, now we have another book that we have to read. Oh, snap. <laughs> uh, do you have that I one? do not have the wood uh, book. I have oh, it. That's one of the better, if, if you're going to get serious about doing wood at home, or even professional, highly recommend. There's a good section there wood. simply on construction and maintenance, like the physical okay. maintenance, not just techniques like rehydration. And, you know, kind of get back to your question. Yeah, pick out a good barrel from the start's the best thing. Uh, make sure it's been freshly emptied. Rehydration something you can do. You can do, but it, it it'll... It'll tend to kind of wash away some of the barrel character. Yeah, if you're unfortunately, if you're going to be throwing a sour in there and you're throwing your own culture, do it. Um, it's better to avoid that. Yep, but. you avoid the risk. You you throw in the water, you get it there, you get it soaked up, and fill up that barrel again. If you're going for a bourbon age thing, do not. You're going to wipe out all the bourbon. Mm-hmm. You're just going to have like a white oak, maybe a little char, but you're not yeah. going to get any flavor out of it. So okay. rather than let the barrel dry out if it isn't like convenient to fill the barrel right away, to at least keep it hydrated. Um, what can we do, I guess, like get a handle of <laughs> like a I, 175 of whatever spirit or the appropriate appropriate liquor yeah. or spirit that goes in there or, uh, or water for wine barrels for that matter. Um, and then add that to the barrel and roll it around and make sure you've got contact uh, with all the surfaces and then continue to swirl it, um, you know, as however many days until you, 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 right. f- you fill it. Um, I mean, keeping it hydrated is going <clears> to <throat> help prevent leaks and ensure that when it comes time to fill it, that uh, you won't have to suffer the in- indignity of watching right. your, your beer beer just drain, just out, drain of out of the barrel. That's what I did with the, the first barrel I got. I actually won at a homebrew contest in Wausau. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of I kind of got thrown in a barrel. I'm like, oh, I got to do something with this. So I brewed up the stout I was doing at the time. And then because it was a local distiller near Wausau, I was able to get a bottle of the bourbon that came from that barrel. So that was kind of cool. So I made a tincture of a few things and threw in there and then used that bourbon to kind of rehydrate the barrel. Oh, very cool. So that's kind of how I got on that path in the first place. All right. Um, I guess uh, what I guess kind of a basic question here, but. Um, beers. So when you're writing your recipe and you're putting, um, and you're, you have a barrel and you're trying to kind of figure out what to write for. So like if you have a tequila recipe, will will you put a different beer or a a tequila uh, barrel? Would you put a different beer in there than say like a bourbon barrel? Probably. Uh, tequila barrels are much more finicky. Um, usually much more likely to leak a little harder. I, I haven't even found one on a small scale. I guess I haven't yeah. looked. I mean, they right. kinda, you know, so I can't vouch you can find one on a small scale. But, yeah, you're definitely going to get a, a different pickup with tequila for sure. That's kind of the extreme. Mm-hmm. You know, your bourbon, some of the other ones. Rum. Well, yeah, whiskey, tequila, rum, brandy, uh, and increasingly so uh, gin and vodka. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely a little, yeah. I mean, you're not going to be making your traditional big stouts and throw them at a, a tequila barrel might be kind of interesting, but it's also flavor profiles. It's I've only, think I've only ever work. encountered a couple of rum barrels, but they're pretty sketchy. Um, but used wine barrels make really good sour. Yes. Uh, barrels. So, cause wine's got a much more mellower flavor than your spirits. So the wine barrels let the beer kind of poke out a little more. Whereas like with whiskey and rum tends to so you were saying I'm writing this recipe you know and two things with that one right towards what would accentuate that f- flavor and um god what was my other point right to that and then um darn it I forgot what, I, what the other thing I was going to say 
piggybacking that, if you're doing wine, make some great sours. Just be a little aware of the tannin and sulfite level um, of the wine that sat in there for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, that too. Not as not as much white wine being barrel aged. I'm, I'm no wine expert. Maybe I, someone can totally correct me on that, but. Um, be a little more picky on the white wine barrels you may use, and that's just based on personal experience. Um, but with the reds, just be a little aware of the sulfite and what you're trying to do with the beer, how that could play with it. But otherwise, they do make great barrels for sours. Yeah, okay. well, and then also the wine is a low, lower enough alcohol by volume that your bugs like your Brett and, and lacto – uh, not that Brett, Brett's a yeast, not, not a bug, I guess I'd say lacto is more of a bug, but they can survive more readily within the staves. Um, but yeah, Brett growth is one of the reasons why winemakers have to retire uh, their barrels after a period of time. Right. Too, well, so. I mean, that works out well for the sour beer makers yeah, then. Exactly, yep. Well, then also vintners often will reuse the same barrel over and over to... Um, to draw out of the, uh, to get as much out of the, that that right. wood character. So I mean that that brings up a good question. Uh, barrel reuse. How how many times? Like so, if you get a fresh like whiskey barrel or wine barrel, how many times do you th- can you safely reuse that barrel? I wouldn't do more than if if you're keeping it clean. I wouldn't do more than one. Um, yeah, I'd turn it into furniture. I do okay. furniture. Do Age the spirit in it. Then age the beer in it, then turn it into furniture. Or go to sour. Or go to a sour. Yeah, that's, that's fine, but it's... I, I I reuse mine, but never never use for a clean beer. I always go to a sour after the first clean use. Okay, so you do one clean use, then a sour, and then a couple of sours out of that, or just one? You know, by the time I was kind of wrapping up the sour project, I was moving on to the brewery, and I never yeah. got a chance right. to refill. I, I would have, though. Um, in fact, I was, especially with that blonde we mentioned earlier, that light one, I would have loved to see how um, how much the barrel itself inoculated the next beer. So my, okay. my next level that I, I'd never executed would have been throwing that same base beer in there without inoculation just to see how much. See what it picks up? Yep. And then the level after that is to do a goose? <laughs> I, I go with Brian on the furniture after that one. Yeah, I I don't know, man. Like a, a whiskey, you can make a whiskey barrel go sour, but you you can't ever truly pull a sour barrel back to clean because yeah. of the way that you know the microorganisms are in, mm-hmm. infiltrating that wood. Uh, I mean, that can it can get pretty pretty deep, and you know the wood. It's it's there's a reason why these the Britannomyces work so well in wood barrels. Is a couple of reasons. One the wood sugar will feed them, you know, they'll eat that. Um, and you know, Brett is going to metabolize <clears throat> the byproduct of other bugs too. Uh, so whatever they're doing, um, they're tiny, tiny little cells that get in everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's far, like how deep they get in the substrate or the wood. Yep. Uh, it's, there's just no way that the right. sani is going to reach it. I don't molecularly speaking. I don't think the sani is, I don't think it can even small enough to get in there. No. Um, and, and that's why I, I, you know, a lot of these, when you look at like rare barrel and some of the, if you follow some of these large, larger Californian sour breweries, you know, when they first started out, they were doing some things with some potassium metabisulfite that they quickly went away from because they realized off flavors. And then they kind of moved to steam, like the wine industry. Um, I've I've stayed in touch with a couple of them and watched some of the the news coming out. But I know even steam isn't necessarily 100% effective under pressure with some of that. It just gets too deep after a while. And yeah. Yeah, so you can knock um, it back, you can affect your pH a little bit, but you're never really going to get it out of a barrel once it's in there. Well, and if, if you've ever, like, um, seen, like, the inside of a barrel, like, had an old barrel and, like, knocked it apart, like, those staves, they are, 
like they're very craggly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're raw. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they're well, just like inside, like they're they're charred and mm-hmm. like, and it's yeah. There's so many nooks and crannies. And then you realize you were drinking something out of there, and you're like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So one of the best smelling fires I ever uh, had was with an old whiskey barrel. That was a lot oh, of fun. God. <laughs> Danger barrel. <laughs> danger horrible horrible barrel. memories of the danger barrels. Yeah, we had some fire pro or yeah, gas. <laughs> they, were, they were barrels with the top carved out with broken glass pieces put around a burner. Oh and then a cement ring. It so was they were top heavy, broken glass, danger. open fire yeah. with a propane unit inside a old bourbon barrel. That seems like a great thing to put drunk people around. Yeah. yeah. We lit them up one time and called them danger barrels. And, and then, then stopped with literally, them. Literally, not even stopped. We deconstructed them. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 like, yeah. there's, I mean, the broken glass alone seems like a bad idea. It looked cool. <laughs> <laughs> Another pro tip as far as barrels go is uh, tasting um, them along the way, which can be done with a stainless steel nail called a Vinny nail. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you know, tap tap the nail in and pull it out and a little bit of liquid comes out and you want to sanitize the nail and put it back in. Um, and, you know, anecdotally, uh, we've had uh, barrel tasting days where we tasted the beer and then we were like, oh my God, is this infected? So we plated it in in the lab and found that the beer was clean. Yeah. Uh, and then we were like, okay, what weird? This beer just tastes terrible. And then waited another year and ended up being like a really beautiful, amazing bourbon barrel hitched beer. <laughs> so we waited a couple years instead of one year. So I, you know, it's be be patient. This isn't a short so term thing. That, that, that kind of brings up a good uh, a, a good question. What uh, what kind of time frame are we looking at? Like on the homebrew level, like because you have so much more surface area, do you want to age that for a year? Do you no, only want to do a couple of weeks? I oh, I'd still be talking months. Okay. I mean, if you're doing if you're doing more of a traditional big stout, big porter, that kind of thing, I I would even sample the thing for six months and probably figure eight months to a year, maybe a little longer tops. Okay. I mean. You know, there's multiple opinions, but I'm just from what I've seen. Um, shorter projects can be interesting. It kind of brings mm-hmm. up ideas like uh, spirals and some options for people who, who yeah, yeah, aren't interested in tackling yeah, a barrel or things like that too. But um, I'd yeah. say the smaller the beer, uh, if you think the transfer didn't go well and you picked up a little too much oxygen, you might want to be pulling it out a little sooner rather than lose the beer. Maybe not get the flavor you want, but not sacrifice the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, then you have options like cubes and spirals. And I know yeah, you've got chips, yep. uh, staves, spirals, cubes. So when we're when we're using those, um, are we just throwing those in the fermenter then and letting it sit in the carboy or whatever? And yes and no. I mean, in essence, that's all you're doing. This you're- is another argument for using a secondary vessel uh, because, like I said, you you know, there's these these staves. It's kind of like are you, you're gonna maybe you're gonna soak them in. In bourbon, um, as far as chips go, though they're very like thin, you can you can toast them, but since they're thin, the level of toast shows not there's not much variation, um, and then the thin the thinness and in, in their high surface area makes for a, a faster extraction, uh, and then um, you only want to put them in there for like a couple weeks, but 
Uh, you said with the chips, I'd be worried about pulling tannins out. Correct, and it can be pretty one-dimensional, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, and in theory, so. you get more surface area, but they're also going to settle to the bottom, and 50% of each ship is getting covered up, too. Right. I think right. spirals mathematically are the most surface area yeah, bang I mean, for your buck. Cu- cubes are a lot thicker, and then during toasting, there's better toast variation. Mm-hmm. Um, the, that argument, so it's a little bit more akin to an actual barrel. Um, especially compared to chips. Um, so it sounds like chips are the worst. Yeah. We, uh, cubes cubes can take a month to a year. You know, it depends on what you're yeah. doing. Staves is like an individual piece that, like, used to be part of a barrel. Um, and some home brewers will do, like, the whole stave. stave other people it, yep. will chop it up. Um, you're likely going to get different character if you chop it up. Um I, I would advise if you're going one of these methods, do consider soaking it. Yeah. One, it'll it'll sanitize it. Soak it in bourbon or fine, you know. And you'll pick up more of those flavors. Yeah. If you're really trying to pick up the flavors and accomplish that, and not just add a wood flavor or a smoked flavor, you're gonna need to get that bourbon or alcohol or whatever it is soaked. How long should you soak? Like just overnight? A couple or days. Couple okay. Days. Couple yeah, days. A couple okay. days. But. And, Cover the, cover the thing, you know, spend the money, find whatever container you can put it in, but let it sit for a couple days. Okay. So, yeah, then, the like you were saying, the argument for spirals is is that there is more surface area, and then you're going to get more variation because of the way that the spirals created. You're going to have different... I think the idea here that I'm getting at or have been trying to get at is that, like, the varying varying thickness between cube, stave, chip, etc., you're... The idea of adding wood that's been soaked in bourbon and then added to beer in this complex big stout, the idea is the complexity, the different levels and layers and things. And so I think spirals are what are going to help you achieve that the best. Okay. So you can get different toast levels. I know know for uh, the Every Style Challenge, uh, we experimented with three different, um, I guess, oaking methods. We used a barrel, a Balcones barrel that... We got online, um, and then uh, we used spirals for one, and then cubes for one. <gasps> yeah. Um, yeah, spirals and cubes. Uh, I almost preferred to the barrel because it was just so much easier. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of maintenance with the barrel, and then you got to figure out a place to put the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> I still have three. <laughs> All right, uh, I guess uh, we're kind of hitting the end here. Uh, any final uh, advice or comments on oak before we wrap up? Yeah, I don't don't be intimidated by it. Just Mm-mm. try something. It, it's like any kind of home brewing. It's, tr- it's trial and error at the heart of it, oh. and especially when you get to this. It, they're pretty forgiving. The type of beer you're throwing at there can usually handle being mistreated or a little more oxygen or whatever, but it's one of those things, just jump in, um, Try it out. Try different kinds. There's just so many more permutations you can add to it. Just give it a go. All right, Brian. No, no, that's I'm, I am good in all good in the hood, man. All righty. Well, I guess let's get out of here then. All right. Cool. All right, guys. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnerstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash blindnerstudios. You can follow us on Twitter at blindnerscore ninja. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>